0: Lead. Mick McDiibman is squeezing through on naturalism's emanations there with heroicity and here comes the and across the and across down the outside is motoring home naturalism the leader the and across itch by inches wearing him down naturalism still in front he ran out near the line but naturalism went the this wins podcast is brought to you by Basing New South Wales and... Sky racing and Pride's easy feed. Do any of your horses struggle to finish their feeds during a racing preparation? Have you been unhappy with the way they look on race day? Do what many other trainers do with those finicky horses and introduce them to Pride's easy performance. By stimulating their appetites with Pride's highly palatable set recipe feed, you might find they're not leaving a flake in their feed bins. Correct Nutrition helps racehorses to deal with the stresses of racing and training It helps them to get that elusive win when they're in the right race and most importantly, helps them to bounce back after the event. Pride's Easy Performance provides the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses get to the line while helping them to maintain inner health. Pride's Easy Performance, the complete nutritional feed for equine performance athletes. For the last three decades, punters and racing fans alike who follow Southern Districts racing have been aware of the talents of Nick Souquet, often referred to as the good jockey down south with the French name. Nick's late father, John, was actually New Zealand born of French descent, but he moved to Australia in his youth and he was living at Tumbarumba when Nick was born 47 years ago. John Sukay worked on the vast Copperbella Pastoral property and that's where Nick and three siblings spent their early years. Nick learned to ride during that time under the tutelage of his good mate Chris Taylor, a champion boy rider at local horse shows. He was 12 years old when he moved to Benalla to attend FCJ College and soon after, through a family friend, he met champion country trainer Richard Freyer, who was based at Corowa. Weekend work experience at the Freyer stables quickly ignited Nick's passion for thoroughbreds and he couldn't wait to attain the age when he could become an apprentice jockey. And what an apprenticeship it turned out to be. He outrode his country claim in 10 months. He won two SDRA Apprentices Premierships and during a nine-month stint in Adelaide, he rode 55 winners, 35 in the city. It hasn't been all beer and skittles. He's no natural lightweight and he's broken a bone or two in his time. I'm delighted to catch up with the good jockey from the South with the French name, Nick Souquet, Thanks for joining the podcast.
1: Good pleasure, John.
0: Great to have you, mate. You tell me you've never met another soul in this country who goes by the name of Sue Kay.
1: No, um, there's not. There's not any in Australia. We've researched it and we're the only Sue Kays in Australia.
0: You live right on the New South Wales-Victorian border at Wodonga. Uh, yes. which gives you access to many tracks, Nick. You ride work for Craig Widdison at Wadonga and you slip over the border to help Mitchell Beer out at Albury. Yep. When do you go to Albury?
1: Uh, I go to Albury on Thursdays and I do uh, – on Tuesdays I'll do Mitchell's and Craig's. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just do a couple at each place and then I'll go to Mitchell's on Thursdays and Fridays.
0: Well, uh, because of your weight hassles that you've had over the years, the more work you ride, uh, the better you can control that weight.
2: No
1: doubt, John. Yeah, and it's so much better for your body. Uh, As you get older, I'm a firm believer as you get older, you've got to be fitter.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, you've really got to be a lot fitter.
0: Yeah, to compete with those young whippersnippers.
1: (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's it.
0: Mitchell Beer runs a very professional operation, doesn't he, at Albury? And you tell me he's very realistic when assessing the likely future of his horses. He doesn't muck about.
1: He doesn't. Um, he tells it there's no grey area Mitchell that are either all right or they're no good. Hmm. Um, and he'll put you on one and say, look, listen, is a really good ride um, or uh, he'll put you on one and say, mate, just keep us out of trouble or we we'll win.
0: Yeah, There's
1: no, no in-between.
0: Yeah, and he's a good judge?
1: Very good judge, mate. Mm. Yeah, very good judge.
0: So when you get a trainer with such brutal honesty, you're always going to offend an owner or two along the way, but he's prepared to take the risk.
1: I think he is. and You know, he's a very honest man, um, and that's why he's, he's so successful at the moment. Um, he doesn't tell owners their horse is any good when it, when it's not. Mm. Um, just for the training fees, so
2: mm. you
1: know he's quite he's quite honest like that.
2: Mm. I
0: see he won forty races last season on New South Wales tracks, which is a really good strike rate.
1: Yeah, he's got a lot of horses in work. He probably would have won another dozen in Victoria too. Oh. so so um, it would have been a pretty fair season for him.
0: Mm. You often pop up at the Victorian meetings. I notice you've ridden just lately. You've ridden winners, in fact, at places like Wodonga and Wangaratta and Echuca.
1: Yes. Yeah, I try and get there as much as I can. Um, it's probably the advantage of being on the border, but it is it is very, very competitive in Victoria. A lot of very, very good jockeys, John.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah, yes. An army of them.
1: Yes, there is. You know, there's nothing for you to go to... A meeting at Benalla mm. or Badonga or Wangaratta, and there could be eight or ten group one winning riders in the room. Mm. Whether you go to Wagga or any virtually anywhere in country, Victoria and country New South Wales, mm. you might see one group one winning rider
2: there. Mm. Yeah, at um,
1: any, at any given day of the week, there could be, um, you yeah. say a top 10 rider in Melbourne there, you know, yeah. they just can't just travel so much.
0: Yeah, and the depressing part of that, Nick, is the fact that there are only three or four realistic chances in most races.
1: It is. You know, um, I think races have got a little bit even now, um, but the biggest stables come up now, John, like Kira Mar and David Hayes and Peter Moody and that, and they can bring one up at dongo mm. for a maiden win and made, all of a sudden it could be going around in a group three race. Yeah. Three starts, you know, mm. and it, mm. that makes it a lot harder.
0: Yeah, I'll say. Well, between race riding... Track work and family life, you've got a pretty hectic schedule. You and Laura yeah. are yes. guiding the destinies of Zach, who's 15, Isla, who's yes. 10, and Ivy, who's 5. You must get caught in the crossfire sometimes, do you? Uh,
1: they're not not—they're good kids. They're, they're good kids. Zach's very good. He can sort of virtually look after himself um, when I say that. But, yeah, you know, um, you've got to do what you've got to do, John, don't you?
0: Any budding jockeys amongst them?
1: No, no interest at all. Um, Ivy, uh, Isla, sorry, had a bit of an interest in it, but that sort of waned. Mm. But no, Zach had no interest in it, and the uh, other little one, she's probably never sort of been introduced to it it as it. So at the moment, no.
0: You and Laura speak the same language when it comes to racing. She was a jockey who rode under the name of Laura Bulger, she rode somewhere between fifty and sixty winners, mainly in Victoria and some in Tasmania, I think. Uh, yeah, how did that happen, Nick? Did you ride in Tassie?
1: No, I wasn't wasn't with her then. Ah. Um she had a stint in Tasmania, but she broke her neck. Um, had a bad spill and broke her neck. Mm. And she had to have about eighteen months off. And then she come back and um we obviously got together and uh when, when we got married, um she said that's enough. She went to university. Mm.
0: She,
1: yeah, She just went to university and studied.
0: She still deals with the legacy of that neck injury, doesn't she? Yeah,
1: it gives her a terrible hard time migraines in that joint. gets a lot of pressure on it. Mm. Uh, but there's just nothing. There's no operation or anything like that. Um, no. It's just something you've got to live with. She's got to yeah. live with.
0: Well, while she's living it, she's working as a clinical nurse at a local age care facility. She's a worker, yeah, that girl.
1: Yes, probably one of the biggest ones in Victoria.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she's the uh, CEO.
0: Oh, she's good. She's
1: the care coordinator. So um, she decides who goes in and what goes on. and mm. So it's a quite a big responsibility of a job.
0: My word, it she's is a big job.
1: For, she's been there for 17 years now. So, mm. um, yeah, it's quite a, quite a lot of responsibility, John.
0: Oh, of course it is. She must yeah. have started there not long after she quit the saddle.
1: Yeah, but she done her, um, you do your two ma- your two years mm. um, as a registered nurse.
2: Yeah.
1: And then she virtually started out there. Once when she, when she got enrolled, she was an enrolled nurse mm. and she done her registry. They call it the registry for two years. She done it out there.
0: Mm. Well, ne- been
1: there for a long time.
0: Let's go back to that happy childhood of yours on the Copperbella Pastoral property near Tumbarumba. Now, from all reports. That was a big joint, 300 cows, 2,000 head of cattle, 16,000 sheep, 60 horses and 200 bulls.
1: Yeah, very, very big. I was lucky enough to, I was talking to my mother
2: Hmm.
1: and I actually got onto the son who was the
2: boss.
1: Uh, Stephen Bergen, Terry Bergen was the boss. And I couldn't remember it being that big and he gave me the stats of it. And now I think about it now. It probably was that big. It mm. was that big, John. You know, it was a huge, huge place.
2: Yeah.
0: What acreage do you recall? Uh,
1: it was about 12,000 acres, I think. Good. Yeah, yeah 12,000 acres. It was owned by Sir Alec Creswick mm. from the Tupra Pastoral Station. Yeah. And the year he was, uh, one year there, he presented the Melbourne
0: Cup. Yes, yeah, Sir Alec and Creswick. By, yeah. he, he was chairman uh, of the VRC in later years, wasn't
2: he?
1: Yes, yeah, so AR Creswick Stakes. Mm, so, that, yeah. The
2: man, yeah.
1: Uh, but, yeah, it was it a was, um, fantastic place to grow up. You know, uh, it, was, it was really good.
0: Oh, every day it'd be a new adventure.
1: Well, yeah, you're a long way out and you just had to make do for yourself. There was always a lot to do, though. Mm. Yeah, there was always a lot to do because there was about three or four families on the property too, so oh.
2: there
1: was a lot of kids there and, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good upbringing. Then we moved into Tumbarumba.
0: You grew up with one brother and two sisters None of whom shared your interest in horses.
1: Um, yeah, I'm said to had a little bit of a inkling, but uh, not really. Uh, but no, none of them. Um, none of them had any inkling at all with horses.
0: Mm. The man who helped shape your destiny was Richard Freyer, who died in 2017 at just 69 years of age. How did you get to meet the legendary trainer? You were 12 at the time.
1: Yes, um, my father was a good friend uh, of his stable jockey at the time of local Alan Fitzgerald, mm. and I was working for Chris and Ann Taylor, and and that they, they said come up on the weekends. So I went up on the weekends. One thing led to another, and all of a sudden he had his own driver, Richard, and his driver was picking me up Friday after school, and I was riding work Saturday morning, and dropping you back after dropping mm. back Sunday night. Oh yeah. So I started out when I was twelve.
0: Yeah. Well, the statisticians, Nick, will tell you that he trained well over 2,500 winners, he won 16 straight SDRA premierships and he won cup races with amazing regularity, including eight Albury Cups. Unbelievable. Was he a good teacher?
1: Probably one of the better ones Mm. Um, in the respect. I was never natural, John. Um, but I was willing to learn. So he put me on as much track work as he said, this is the only way you'll learn to ride. Mm. Um, right. As much track work again. So when I was 12 years old, I was riding 15 horses a morning. Um, mm. and that's, that's how you, that's how his thing was. Yeah. To get, to learn to ride. They got to learn to ride everything. Mm. And, um, yeah, he'd work here, but, um, very good player. And, a very, He was a really good friend to Rob, uh, with Roy Higgins. Yeah. And he was big on neatness, you know, mm. in the saddle. He wanted you to be very, very neat in the saddle. Mm. And that's where I think I'm a little bit neat in the saddle, but not a neat as most. Mm. But um, he wanted you to be neat, and that's, that's what he taught me.
0: Mm. The death of Richard's son, Rick, just a few months ago at only 48 years of age, rocked the local racing community down there. He was only a year older than you are now, Nick.
1: Yes, yeah, he um, was the last of the dynasty. Uh, Richard's father, Jack Frey, who was a brilliant farmer and a, a great trainer too.
2: Mm. He
1: was the person who gave Roy Higgins his first start. Mm. And uh, then Richard died and young Rick died. Sort of the, the whole dynasty left.
0: Mm. You had a very trying time at the height of the pandemic when you had to choose between Victoria and New South Wales because of those horrible border restrictions. You couldn't keep riding in both states because of the 14-day quarantine restriction and there were more rides available at the time in New South Wales. So what did Nick do? You took two of the kids and moved into your mother's house at Corowa for a while. How long did you stay there?
1: I stayed there for about six weeks mm. and then um, Isla went back to school.
2: Yeah.
1: So she came over to Wodonga and I took Ivy with me and Simon Miller, a very good friend of mine, the jockey from down
2: here.
1: Mm. Um, I lived with his mum for about six weeks. Mm. Yeah. So but it was very, very trying. In the end, it was too, it was just too much, too hard for Laura, you know, um, having it away all the time and that. It was just, just too mm. hard at the end. So I had to come back to Victoria.
0: And Laura was working at the aged care facility yes, all the way through. The yeah.
1: yeah, and with the COVID there too, John, it was just, mm. it was bedlam out there because when it, when the elderly got the COVID, mm. if they contracted COVID, the mortality rate was significantly higher than anybody else.
2: Oh, so, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, it was quite a stressful time.
0: The memory of your magical first winner has never left you. It was a Griffith maiden on the 9th of September. 1989. Horse was called Midnight Striker and it was only your third ride in a race.
1: Yep. Yep, Bob Merrill trained it Mm -hmm. and um, he jumped and just led all the way. You never ever forget your first winner.
0: No, no, absolutely. But you made a bird of it on the day. You won another race before the day was over, a double.
1: Yeah, uh, the next ride won too. So um, it was the same trainer and um, Bob Merrill Mm -hmm. and, yeah, it was a good day.
0: You were 18 years old when Richard Freyer packed you off to Adelaide for a stint with the late Russell Cameron, a good bloke and a very good trainer. How did that happen? Nick, how did that unfold?
1: Um, he rung me, I remember, forget this, John, he rung, me, rung Richard on Wednesday. Mm. And I was on the bus on Wednesday
2: night.
1: <laughs> and I got to Adelaide Thursday afternoon. Mm. And my first ride over there was a horse called Zephyr Art, and that was going to be on the Saturday.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Zephyr Art was five to one on. Goodness me! And he came out and he won like a fives on pop boys, but it was just such yeah. a rush.
2: Yeah.
1: You know everything. Me, I didn't even have time to tell my parents, they didn't know what to think, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, all of a sudden I was in Adelaide. Yeah, you know, riding a fives on pop, my first ride over there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a, it, everything happened in a rush, but it was it was a good experience.
0: Sadly, Russell Cameron died in 2019 at just 61 years of age after a wonderful training career. He won a string of stakes races, Nick, with horses like Toledo and Iglesia, Bomber Bill, St. Clemens Bell, and he was a terrific judge, wasn't he? He was was a plunge trainer, really. I remember the day Iglesia won the Standish Handicap in Melbourne was backed in from $11 to $3 and broke the course record.
1: Yeah, he was like that. Very, very, very catchy. Even his father, um, Ted Cameron,
2: mm.
1: they were big, 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 big punters. Yeah, when they let go and won, they, um, they didn't really
0: miss. Mm. Yeah, yeah he's, they didn't miss at all. His passing saddened the Australian racing industry. It really did.
1: It, it did, you know, he passed away from a a shocking disease of dementia, mm. um, at i say a very young man.
0: Mm, 61, yep. Mm-hmm. Now, Nick, your winning streak in Adelaide caught the attention of a very famous Sydney trainer who rang your boss, Richard Freyer, requesting that you be sent down to him as soon as possible. <laughs> it wasn't that simple, was it? No,
1: it wasn't. He just rang Richard and said, send that kid up to Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> Richard said, oh, well. He's going to ride right over there, so they rung me, mm. and I said, "Look, I'm going to ride here. I'll, I'll give it a bit of a miss." And, um, yeah. But looking back now, John, I wish I did do it.
2: Yeah,
0: well, we haven't mentioned his name yet. Who was the trainer? Jack Denham. Jack Denham, that's right.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, but all that's the way it goes, mate. So yeah. I'm yeah. Looking back at it now, I wish I did do it, but I didn't, and I'll, I'll, I've, i lived with that decision. So. Mm. Um. Yeah.
0: You rode two of your all-time favourite horses during your nine months in Adelaide. There was a tough old customer called Wheel Tulta who had nearly 100 starts. He won 19 of them and in 1992 you won four straight on the old boy, one of them by six lengths. He was a good old horse, wasn't he? He he
1: was a real good old horse. I remember winning one day at uh, Cheltenham Victoria Park and it was a – it would have been, nowadays, John, it would have been about a heavy 14. Goodness. You know, there, there was, just, just, was just terrible conditions. He had 65 kilos and he led all the way.
0: 65
1: mm. kilos he carried. Mm. He had 66 and a half or something like that. Mm. But he was a good old horse, mate, yeah.
0: Yeah, his name again, Wee Tulta. Wee Tulta. Now, now, you won three races on another old warrior called Bar Flyer, including a Group 3 at Oak Bank.
1: Yes, yeah, he was a good, good old horse. Um, uh, One of Russell's. Um, yeah, he put me on in a group free race at Oakbank mm. and we um, yeah, were well, lucky enough to get the job done. It was, it was, a, good, it was a good thrill. Mm.
0: You tell me when you came out of your time, you had a fair bit of money in the Apprentice's Trust account and your wise boss, Richard Freyer, called you aside and he said, listen, young Nick... I'm not going to let you go out and blow that money. He made That's you right. buy a car, but he didn't let you buy a flash car, did he?
1: No. When I was about 19, John, I saw about six months ago I had my apprenticeship and I wanted to buy a car because all the other boys were buying cars and had <laughs> the flash cars and that. Mm. And he said, you can have $5,000 to buy a car. So I ended up buying a Ford Laser. Mm. And he said, um, now you can take that money out of your account. He said, and you are going to buy a house. Oh. So he made me take all my money out of my account
2: yeah.
1: and bought a house. Yeah, he organised it with a real estate agent and yeah. um, the AJC and, and um, yeah, they let me do it and I was let, at that time there they let me make me mortgage payments mm. through my um, apprentice account. So it was good.
0: Yeah. yeah, see, Nick, the wisdom of Richard Freyer, you know, had you yeah. been apprentice to a man who couldn't have cared less about your future... Yeah. Uh, just imagine how different it could have been.
1: Well, that's it, John. You know, um, he was a very wise man. Like, he, he was a man who never drunk or smoked mm. or anything like that. All they did was work, and they made themselves very wealthy through horse training, but they also had a lot of property, mm. a terrible lot of property. Mm. And they just said, you just got to keep them vesting in the and water. Mm. How
2: yeah,
0: right he was. Nick, mm. just stand by there for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast, and we'll come back with Nick Sukay after this. With a record breaking Everest day done and dusted, the Spring Carnival rolls on on Saturday, October 22nd with another glittering program highlighted by the Group 1 Mowat and Shondon Spring Champion Stakes. Inaugurated in 1971 as the Australasian Champion Stakes, the race was switched to the Spring in 1978 to replace the Derby, which in turn went to an autumn time slot. One of the most interesting winners of the champion stakes was nothing like a Dane in 1995. He went straight to Melbourne to win the Norman Robinson and the Victoria Derby and then Tommy Smith persuaded trainer Gay Waterhouse to run the cult in the Melbourne Cup, even though he was a few weeks short of his official third birthday. Three days later, he ran the race of his life to beat all but Doremus on a heavy track. This year's edition of the Spring Champion is worth $2 million. Co-features on Saturday will be the invitation for fillies and mares, also worth $2 million, and the inaugural Group 2 Calendar Pressnel, named after two legendary Sydney media identities. One week later, October 29, the $10 million Golden Eagle at Rose Hill promises to be one of the best races of the carnival. The extraordinary Spring Carnival rolls on. When you became a fully fledged jockey, you made the decision to carve yourself a niche in the Riverina and the southern districts. You rode a number of winners in Melbourne, but you very rarely got to Sydney. In fact, you tell me you've never ridden a winner in Sydney. But you never wouldn't have had many Sydney. rides here, would you Nick? I think I've only
1: had about 10 rides up there. I've never ridden a winner in Sydney.
0: I've
1: been a few place getters, but I've never ridden a winner in Sydney.
2: Mm.
0: At this point, I'd like to mention the jockeys you most admired early in your career, beginning with the evergreen Michael Carl. Now, Michael moved to Corowa uh, way back as Richard Freyer's stable jockey at one stage, and you were there at the same time.
1: Yeah, he'd come down for about nine months, Michael, and he was as good then as he is now. Mm.
2: Um,
1: he was just a magic jockey with magic hands and just – he modelled himself, and he was a young, younger bloke, he said, on Wayne Harris, mm. and they had the same sort of seat and horse. I learned a terrible lot of Michael just riding alongside him. Mm. Oh. Very, very reserved man, you know, very, very reserved sort of bloke. Mm. Not aloof by any way, shape or form, just a very quiet person like his brother, Matthew, mm. um, but you just learn a lot off them.
2: Mm.
0: He's remarkable, Michael Carl. He's in his mid-50s. He's probably even past the mid-range. But he's still going strongly and I noticed he rode the Lismore Cup winner the other day. The meeting was run at Grafton. Lismore yeah, was, was unraceable. So he's still winning cups.
1: Yes, he is. Uh, look, he never lose ability and he looks after himself very well, Michael.
0: Certainly he, does. Um, he's
1: very, very fit. Um, yeah, he, he, he's been, always been an outstanding rider. Outstanding rider, John.
0: And an outstanding bloke with it.
1: Yes, they are. They, they come from very good stock. Very good, very good family, him and his brother. um, And both of them outstanding horsemen.
0: Matt, of course, is out injured. I hope he makes it back. Uh, He'd be a a, a real loss to the riding ranks in your area.
1: Yeah, he's the best country-based jockey John I've ever seen.
0: Matthew Um, Carl.
1: Yes, yeah. Him and RT. Mm. They're the only two. Billy Aspos could do it at his top too. But Mm. Matthew and RT were the only two who could go to Sydney any day of the week. Mm. And writer Chris Waller, uh, Bar Cummings, James yeah. Cummings.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, that's how well respected they are.
0: Mm-hmm. You were absolutely starstruck early days. The first time you ever met Malcolm Johnston, who at the time yeah. was riding on the crest of a never ending winning wave, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he was, you know. Um, I met him with Michael and Matthew um, at a place called Conoundra, which is just outside Kara. Mm. He was doing a sportsman's night there and I idolised Malcolm um, ever since I was a little kid.
2: Mm.
1: You know, I watched The King and the Man about 400 times, I think. <laughs> and everybody just wanted to – everybody wanted to be like Mal. Yeah. And they said, you know, you hear people say, never beat your idols, you'll be disappointed. But mm. I wasn't disappointed with Malcolm.
0: You've mentioned Wayne Harris's name already. Wayne never had a stauncher fan than the young Southern Districts jockey with the French name, Nick Souquet.
1: Yeah, I think he's probably the best rider I've ever seen. Gee. Um, Wayne Harris and Hugh Bowman are probably the two best riders I've seen and Damien Oliver.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, but Wayne was just a – it was a beautiful horseman, Wayne.
2: Mm.
1: Beautiful rider.
0: Good to hear you make those comments about some true legends of the Australian yeah. turf. You got a hell of a big kick out of winning the two thousand and four Albury Cup for Rick Freyer on a horse called Personal Image, and it was your only Albury Cup win.
1: Yeah, I've had a lot of rides in it, John. A um, few placings, but um, he was favoured that year. We thought he could win,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, he got the job done. He was. He only went about four races in Melbourne. The horse. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a good little bread-and-butter horse, a typical Richard horse. He was a good bread-and-butter
0: horse,
1: mm. uh, very, very genuine.
0: What do you remember of Sir Knight? He must have been an old marvel. He had 101 starts, he won 23 of them, and you rode him, Nick, in 13 of his 23 wins. Did you realise that?
1: Yes, mate. He was, a, he, was a real, he was a good horse from the start. Mm. Uh, only reason, only thing I was disappointed about, I never won a race in Melbourne, sir. Actually, only my won a him in Melbourne. So, but he was a he was a good old horse, mm. and just a, a, a marvel. And I think he was still alive till a couple of years ago. Um, when I reckon he was still alive when Richard actually died, but um, mm. he's obviously passed since the horse.
0: Mm. Yeah, but he had a, a long, healthy life. That's good news. He did,
1: yeah. Richard always looked after him. He owned that horse. Mm. So the horse that he owned, he looked after him till he died. He wouldn't give him away.
0: You're slightly frustrated, aren't you, that you haven't won a Wagga Cup, but you did the next best thing by winning that famous old sprint, the Wagga Town Plate, on a horse called New Edge for a very smart trainer called Jules Desmay. He was a good yeah, bush horse, but- New Edge.
1: He was a real good horse. Yeah, Johnny Scorse from Canberra actually got me on him. Um, I hadn't ridden for the bloke much before. Mm. I might have had one ride or two rides for him. And um, Scorse, he actually got me on the horse. And um, he had brilliant form going into it. Mm. And he drew a bit sticky, but he could race in the speed. And he was never really going to get beaten, Johnny. He Mm. was a good little horse.
0: And the trainer, Jules Desmay, how's he going?
1: I haven't seen him for a while, John. Um, I think he was working in finance. He's worked in finance all his life.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, I think he was still working in finance at the moment, but I haven't seen him for a good while, John.
2: Hmm.
0: Right, but he's not training at all.
1: I don't think so, John, no. Hmm.
0: You've had a wonderful association with the Clearies of Queen Beanne. Yes. Frank and his son, Joe, and uh, they've been among your best mates in racing.
1: Yeah, great family, Joe and Frank. Great family. Looked after me like But ever since I was 15 or 16. Um, always throws me a ride. Like, he takes, took me to Sydney a couple of times, Joe. He's just been a, a real good supporter of mine, Joe. Um, very easy bloke to ride for. Mm-hmm. But they're just a good – they're both of them a very, very good family. They're a really good family, the Clearies.
2: Mm.
0: You know, Nick, I'll never forget the day they won the Golden Slipper uh, with Cat Bird. I'd finished race calling by then. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was working downstairs in the parade yard for Sky Channel, and my job was to uh, take a hand microphone and grab the trainer of the winner of the of the Golden Slipper immediately after the race. Now yes. I couldn't get near Frank; he was absolutely inundated uh, he would have been, yes. with the media throng. But I did find Joe. And he was walking around the enclosure at Rose Hill like a stunned plover. He didn't know where he
1: was. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine, Joe, that. They're just just a great family. Um, He's always looked after me, Joe. Um, Throws me a ride when he can and uh, we've always had a lot of luck together too, you know, so Mm. I really enjoy riding for the family.
0: Were you thinking about giving it away late last year? You you sort of – you stopped riding around August and you disappeared. Yep. I think your weight got out of hand at that time, so you decided on a lengthy break and you, you took an outside job somewhere.
1: Yeah, I still – I just uh, – mean, weight really caught up in me, John, and I was getting sour on the game. Mm. And when you get sour on the game, you shouldn't – you don't perform as well as you, as you should do. Mm. And I – all of a sudden, John, I stopped wanting to improve and I think once you stop wanting to improve, you've got to step away a little bit mm. because every time you ride a horse, you've got to go out and want to be at your best mm. and want to improve on your last ride. Mm. And I didn't. So I um, I had six months off Yeah, and I worked at a distribution centre for Woolworths.
0: Yeah, at Wodonga?
1: Yeah, at Wodonga. Yeah, Albana, which is about 10 k's out of Woolworths. Right, right. And the best thing I've ever done, John. Really? Yes um I just need I hadn't had a good spell for a long time mm. and I just needed it
0: yeah right so six months away you didn't ride a horse for six months
1: uh, I had about four months away from riding a horse mm. and then I went back and made a bit of work for Mitchy yeah and but I was still working I sort of I wanted to give myself a, myself and my boy a real good rest yeah so it took six months and then I just gradually got back into it and um, yeah back into it now.
0: Right, and, and you suddenly missed it. You thought, oh, gee, I've got, I got to get back in the saddle.
1: You do. You do, John. It gets in your blood. Um, and, like, I was talking to a steward in in Victoria, um it might have been Robert Cramp, I think, and he said, he's, he said, blokes like you can still make a terrible lot of bloody money out of the game. Mm-hmm. And I thought, to myself, well, that's probably right too, but I've never done it for the money, John. I've done it for the love of it.
0: Yeah. Yes, I, I know. What's been your best day at the races, Nick? There've been plenty of doubles and trebles. Have you betted that?
1: I rode five one day at Albury. Did you? Yeah, and the next ride I rode at Seymour and it won too. So I rode six in a row.
0: Oh, beautiful! Well, that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's dinner party material.
1: Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, five in a row and they won. And then I had to be next. I had one ride the next day at um, Seymour and it won.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. When, when you yeah. came back, Nick, did you ride work for several weeks?
1: I ride work for probably two months, John. Mm. Yeah, and jump outs and, you because know, I got, I did get quite heavy.
2: Mm. I
1: got to nearly 68 kilos. Oh, dear. Yeah, I did get quite heavy. Um, so I just brought it there naturally and all. I done it in summer too, mm. but I um, rode a lot of jump outs and that too, you know, for probably six weeks or so
2: to
1: mm. get my eye back in and, and, that, and um, yeah, my weight came up really good.
2: Mm.
0: You know, looking back over your long career, when you look at the number of rides you've had, uh, injuries have been, uh, you know, at a respectable level, but you have had a couple of decent ones.
1: Yeah, I probably pelvis when I was about 20. Mm. Um, that put me out for nearly uh, 12 months. Um, but mainly... Things I've broke, I've broke my right scaphoid three times. Mm. No, four times, sorry, mm. in my wrist.
0: Yeah, the right scaphoid four right. times.
1: So a, I must be a, have a habit when I, I'm putting my hand out. Yeah. Well, I know I've got a habit of putting my hand out and it mm. just breaks all the time. Mm. Yeah, I've done it four times. Mm. The same bone. So it's got all the calcification around it and everything like that. It's not pretty when you look at it an x-ray, but it doesn't give me any, any trouble now though.
0: No, it might bung twenty years on the age, yeah, mate. That's, <laughs> right too, yeah.
1: Yeah. that's the
0: problem. Sorry to tell yeah, you, you that.
1: Be, yeah, you might be. Um, you might be right there too, John.
0: Yeah, mate, you've got a, a good mate among the local jockeys, who has an even worse weight problem than you've got, I'd imagine. And I refer to Nick Hayward. What a talented rider!
1: He is a city class rider, John. Hmm. He is a city class rider. If he was, if he could ride. 50, 54 and a half, 55, mm. I'll say 54, mm. be the top five milk. A uh, top five in Sydney.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, bring it right up. Bring it right up.
0: There seems to be a glut of uh, good juniors in your district currently, including several girls.
1: Yeah, they do, they do have a lot of uh, female riders here, um, I don't know why, but there is there is a lot of female riders here um, compared to most other districts.
0: Mm. And have you spotted any talent?
1: I think um, a lot of a few of them ride well. I like Fiona Sandcook. Mm-hmm. she rides well, and Hannah Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 might be the ones that might take the next step.
0: Yeah, Fiona's apprentice to Mitchell Beer, isn't she?
1: Yes. Yeah. Very very good. And. Uh, She's like a sponge, Fiona. She's just got a thirst for knowledge. All she wants to do is learn.
0: Mm. I think she had a very solid background in equestrian yes, uh, activity. I think
1: so. Yeah, her and her sister. Yes, um, but she's got a thirst for knowledge. She Always wants to learn. Only thing was, Fee, she gets pretty hard on herself, which mm. is which I think is a good thing because mm. it means she really cares. But um, she could be the next one I'll take the next step.
2: Mm. i
0: bet you've punched the wall in the jockey's room more than once.
1: Yes, yeah, I think most people have, mate. You, <laughs> yeah. You've got it. Um, it shows
2: you you mean business, you know. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, you're
0: out there. You're one of those jockeys, Nick, who seems to have been around forever. Well, it's almost forever. It's thirty years. Yes. In which time you've ridden fourteen hundred and fifty winners. As I said yes. earlier, you've won seven SDRA premierships plus a couple of apprentices' titles and you've won most of the local cups and some of them several times over. Where do That's you right. see yourself down the track, Nick? Has training ever entered your head?
1: No, I don't think so, John. Um, I think training the, now is you've nearly got to be have a uh, Bachelor in Business. Mm. You know, um, with it, I don't think it's a seven day a week job.
2: Mm.
1: Being a foreman or a racing manager or something like that, it'd be all right. I'd really like to do something with the apprentices when I retire.
0: Mm. Oh, that'd be, you'd be a natural at that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'd really like to do something like that when I um, retire. Um, I've seen how the Victorian Apprentice Academy works,
2: Mm.
1: and you'd like to get New South Wales up to similar to that. That's why Mm. the Victorian apprentices have got. So much on the New South Wales re- apprentices are in the respect mm. um, they go to a like they go to a school they get billed out ride for the top trainers ride against the top jockeys but they have got people like Darren Gouchy there as soon as they get off a horse they're fresh in mm. their mind mm. telling them what they done wrong yeah you know um, it's just so much of an advantage they got and they they can go down and ride like a I think in New South Wales you can ride twenty trials for your, your jockey's license. Mm. In Victoria, there's nothing for a kid to ride 300 before he gets Oh, ride, I know.
0: Yeah. Walk, yeah, amazing. You
1: know, um, and probably another 200 jump outs. Hmm. Where up in the bush, it's a lot harder because there's not as many trials. Hmm. So the kids are a lot greener.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds yeah. as though you don't plan to be around as long as people like Michael Carl. And Cyril Small's another marvel. And uh, Nick is. Yeah, he's
1: got a good bit of in Cyril Small.
0: My word, he's still riding in Queensland and he's got an yeah. ambition. He's got a dream. He wants to register 50 years as a professional jockey. I think he's got 18 months or two years to go. He's still riding a heap of track work uh, on the Gold Coast. Oh, for...
2: Yeah,
1: as long as you keep fit. You've yeah. got to keep fit. Because if you've got a fit body, John, you've got a fit mind. Mm. Yeah. Um, but Brett Felina is based at Wagga. Mm hmm. He's ring winners in five different decades, 70s, mm. 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Good heavens. Yeah, and he still, still has the odd ride. Does he? Yeah, he still has the odd ride,
0: yes. Yeah, and Michael yeah. Carl, who's, as, as I said earlier, past the mid-range in his 50s, he's got to be yeah. 56, maybe 7. Yes. I think Michael's dream is to log 60 year to ride until age 60.
1: Well, it wouldn't surprise me if he was, look, he looks after himself very well and I'm a bit of a believer too, John, you never lose the ability and if you're on the right horse, it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 50,
2: mm.
0: you'll
1: get the job done.
0: Yeah, I read a quote from you in one of the uh, southern newspapers while I was researching the interview and that you actually said uh, you lose the desire and you lose the enthusiasm from time to time but you yes. don't lose the ability, it's there forever. You never ever lose your ability. Yeah.
1: No. Um, you are born with it? and your mind sits around it, um, you never lose your ability. Sometimes you might lose your desire mm. to turn up, um, but as soon as you, you'll never ever lose your ability.
0: It's been a delight having you on the podcast, Nick Souquet, and I hope that good jockey down south with the French name keeps booting home the winners for some time to come.
1: No, worries. thanks very much, John. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you.
0: Thanks, Nick. My pleasure indeed. Uh, Nick Good Suke, on you, one of the stars of the Southern District's riding ranks for more than three decades on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Do any of your horses struggle to finish their feeds during a racing preparation? Have you been unhappy with the way they look on race day? Do what many other trainers do with those finicky horses and introduce them to Pride's easy performance. By stimulating their appetites with Pride's highly palatable set recipe feed, you might find they're not leaving a flake in their feed bins. Correct nutrition helps racehorses to deal with the stresses of racing and training. It helps them to get that elusive win when they're in the right race, and most importantly, helps them to bounce back after the event. Pride's easy performance provides the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses get to the line while helping them to maintain inner health. Pride's Easy Performance, the complete nutritional feed for equine performance athletes.